He is arguably the most recognizable video game character in the world. The lore around his inspiration and creation has become cemented in pop culture, extending even beyond the video game hobby itself. His shape was inspired by a pizza missing a piece or two, they say. His name was changed to prevent Western audiences from vandalizing his name, they say. Maybe his name literally is a simplification of the word mouth. You never know. Regardless of whether or not you buy into any of these notions, or even care, you certainly know the end result. Pac-Man. The game that took the world by storm. But are any of these legends true? And why did Pac-Man quickly become one of the most popular games of its time, on its way to become one of the highest grossing series ever in gaming history? We'll discuss this and more as we take today's trip down memory card lane. Good afternoon and good evening. I hope that these words find you well. I want to extend a warm welcome to you and invite you to stick around to listen to the 14th episode of our Video Game Nostalgia podcast, A Trip Down Memory Card Lane. If you're new to our listening audience, each week we look back at the current week in gaming history, pick a game release or two from it, and talk about the game, or make up some absurd topic about it. Crazy stuff, huh? If you're not new to our listening audience, well, hi, welcome back. We hope that you'll enjoy another episode of our podcast. As always, I'm joined by my co-host who has, at one point, shared a name with each of the Pac-Man ghosts. Either Chaser, Ambusher, Fickle, or Stupid. You can take your pick on whichever one you want to call him. But around here, we call him Rob Casson. Rob, how do you do? Well, Dave, I don't know. Do you have a preference for which nickname we call you? I was just thinking about that. I feel like lately, considering I've been playing a lot of uh, Rainbow Six Siege, I'd probably be an ambusher. You gotta be ambusher. All right. Yeah. The rest, the rest of the game, I'm not gonna call you Rob. I'm gonna call you ambusher. Well, let's see how long that happens. <laughs> so, ambusher, are you a fan of Pac-Man? I have not. I am a fan of the game. Yeah, I didn't play a whole lot of it, but it is something that I have dabbled with once or twice, and I do quite enjoy playing him on Smash. You know where I've played the most Pac-Man. Where was that, Dave? Uh, when I was little, the dentist's office mom and dad took us to had it as one of those tabletop arcade versions. That's freaking awesome. They only had like little balls on wire when I was there. Yeah, I that that's it. That's where I remember playing the most Pac-Man was at the dentist's office. Or maybe doctor's office. I could be mixing up the two, but it was definitely doctor's office was was railroad tracks and then railroad trains. Maybe that's where my fascination of that came from. I don't know. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely mostly a tabletop. I mean, I've played it else in my life, but uh, most of what I remember, my first introduction was a tabletop. So Pac-Man, December of 1980. That's wow. 40, 30 years, 30, no, 40 years. It's older than I am. <laughs> 40 Shocking. years. Whew, it is Pac-Man's 40th anniversary. That's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. <clears throat> so for those of you that don't know Pac-Man, and I have no idea who you are, if you don't know Pac-Man, you probably are an alien listening to this from another planet because I would argue that even if you don't know video games, you know Pac-Man. You, you think that's fair, Rob? Ambusher. I knew it wouldn't last very long. <laughs> Just don't respond to me unless I call you Ambusher. <laughs> oh, my Lanta. <laughs> oh, you're right. I can't keep it up, but I'm going to try. <laughs> you know, I I feel it would be pretty difficult not to have heard of Pac-Man at least once. True enough. Well, for those of you in the dark, Pac-Man is a maze arcade game developed and released by Namco in Japan. And here in the United States, it was released by Midway Games. You may may know it as a Midway game. Pac- Pac-Man's a, a really simple game. The player controls Pac-Man, who you know has to eat all the dots inside a maze while avoiding four colored ghosts. In various parts of the maze, there are large flashing dots called energizers that cause the ghost to turn blue which allows pac-man to chase him down and eat him for bonus points there's really nothing else to the game 
nope, I'm missing not anything. at all. That that's that's it. That's it. Oh wait, 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 wait. You can go from the left side of the screen to the right side of the screen. Oh, you are right. I missed and that. And from part. the right to the left. Don't forget oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah. Do the ghosts follow you through that? I forget. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Pac-Man as a game series is one of the highest grossing game series of all time. As of 2016, the last time we had solid numbers, uh, the series brought in an estimated $14.1 billion. That put it behind only a few series, such as Mario, Pokemon, and the Call of Duty. But why? Why? What, Rob? Ambusher. <laughs> Rob the Ambusher. Why do you think Pac-Man has the lasting power? Why $14.1 billion is super impressive for such a simple-ass game, you know what I mean? You know... One of the things that comes down to is probably its simplicity. I mean, it's a game that most can play. It doesn't require a whole lot of skill, and you know, you die and you pick right back up. You can play over and over again. It's it's not, you know, it's just straightforward what you have to do. And on top of that, they've incorporated it into other stories. I mean, taking the consideration I mentioned Smash earlier, uh, it's keeping that character relevant. Um, I mean, they're doing the same thing with the Mario and pokemon and call of duty and that's why all these are doing so well is because they're using these continuously they're adding on to it they're either adding it to something else or just continuation of the series and through that they're keeping the interest alive and i think one of the biggest things is like i said it's simplicity it's so simple that people love it in a lot of ways i'm inclined to agree you know something that was very interesting that you just said there was that a lot of other series change over time and pac-man has indeed changed over time and we'll cover that but there are a lot of different versions of pac-man but none of them have ever stuck you know unlike i would argue with some of the other series like Pokemon or Mario, for instance, that though there's a pang of nostalgia for the original, say, Super Mario Brothers, it's not nearly as popular nowadays as Super Mario Odyssey, right? Odyssey's the latest one. It's not as popular, you know? Same thing with Pokemon. I think Sword and every time there's a new Pokemon, there's, there's fanatics about it, right? Sword and Shield is the last one. It's not as popular as what was the first one, Red and Blue? Am I right? Yeah, yeah, and yellow. And yellow, red, blue, and yellow. Yeah. So, yeah, but didn't yellow come out a little bit after red and blue, like with the, some additions or something like that? I'm not the Pokemon fan. I'm not the right person to talk to about it. But anyways. It did come after, yes. Gotcha. Uh, it's a weird glitch in my memory. You've got these games that, that have all been adapted, modern, brought into 3D, and, and expanded upon. Pokemon is way beyond the scope of the original 150 Pokemon, for instance, you know, and, and that's made it more popular. But Pac-Man, I mean, we've had Pac-Man Championship Edition. We've had the world's biggest Pac-Man, but it's still just Pac-Man. It, it hasn't drastically changed. And I think that's... I whoa, think that's whoa, Dave, pretty... I think you're forgetting one imperative thing. What's that? Ms. Pac-Man. Oh, we're, we'll get into Ms. Pac-Man momentarily, but... Pac-Man's just Pac-Man. I think that's awesome, frankly. I mean, I, I, I genuinely think that's awesome. There are a few games that can say they have the staying powers this without drastically adopting, ad- adapting through the years, you know? Pac-Man, I think, from my standpoint, is an absolute masterclass in game development. Um, you know, let's let's take some time and kind of get into that. Ambusher. Yes, Dave. Do, do, do you ever do you ever watch video game documentaries or books on the history of of gaming or anything of the such? Or is, uh, or is nobody nobody quite nearly as big of a dork about video games as I am? I have seen a few videos here and there of some video game related historical moments well, or happenings. I mean, Pac Man is is one of those games that's almost always a topic in a video game history documentary. Did you watch uh, uh, that one on Netflix, High Class? That's probably the one. Did, uh, did you, maybe. 
Yeah, so there's a real if you've never seen it, there's an excellent video game documentary sister, s- series called High Score, High Cl- I don't know. I, yeah, I think it, it's High Score, I think. I think it's High Score. It's excellent. There's more to it. Uh, I'm ill prepared to tell it though. So watch the documentary. But with that being said, I think that Pac-Man is absolutely if we take it down to its design standpoint as a as a, a show development i think it's an absolute you know master class so for starters the timeline pac-man was at its time when it was released it spent the most amount of time in development for a video game which at the time was one year and five months you know nowadays we have games that take 15 years half-life 3 to to you know come to fruition it's a little different but at the time one year and five months was the longest time anyone had ever spent on it. 1980 is right smack dab in the middle of what we call historically the golden age of arcades, right? The golden age of arcades were dominated by games like Pac-Man. Um, in 1978, you had Space Invaders. In 1979, you had Galaxian. You had Asteroids in 79. Earlier in the year before Pac-Man, you had Missile Command. And so at the time... You had all these games that were absolutely dominating arcades with their, you know, I guess graphics and violence, you know, crude graphics and violence. As a result, arcades were largely seen as seedy environments. I I, I don't know if that ever changed. <laughs> no, that's not true. I guess when you have the Chuck E. Cheeses of the world. No, I can't finish that sentence, huh? I was about to say that Chuck E. Cheese's are not seedy environments, but that is so not the case. Are not what environments? Seedy? Seedy. Yes. The word seedy, not appealing, like, you know, shady individuals and drugs and all sorts of other stuff going on, man. I guess I've just never heard of the that seedy being used. I've heard yeah. shady, but not seedy. You know what, Ambusher? You need to get your, your uh, adjectives down, Pat. That's a lot of work. Yeah, I know. Trust me. It's a lot of work when you write every day, too. Mm, sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess that's one way to put it. It does suck. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So anyway, games, arcades, CD environments. For this project, the game developer, oh crap, named Tori Iwatani, I think. Uh, chose to create a nonviolent, cheerful video game that appealed mostly to women, as he believed that attracting women and couples into arcades would potentially make them appear to be much more family friendly in tone, and therefore make them much more profitable. You know, let's be honest, they're out for money, you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. And so he began thinking of things that women like to do at their time, and he originally settled on eating. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is hilarious. And he based it on the notion that women like to eat desserts and sweets. Hence the cherries. Right? Who doesn't, though? (laughs) I know. I know. Uh, But what else are you going to come? I mean, it's not, you know, it's kind of funny when you think about it. Because I, I, not to be stereotyped, because we've come a long way in 40 years. And, you know, women, women like to do just about everything that men like to do. You know, it's not like you can get peel out eating. But can you think of how misogynistic it was back 40 years ago when you're like, okay, so here's a list of what women like to do. Uh, eat, clean, cook. Uh, can we make a game about taking care of children and childbirth? Nah. You, you, I mean, like, what the fuck did they come up with, man? Who knows, man? I, Times are different. Yeah, I know. But I mean... Whatever. <laughs> we got Pac-Man. Pac-Man likes to eat. So where did Pac-Man come from, right? There's an old wives' tale that Pac-Man was designed after Iwatani saw a pizza with slices missing. And that, that's partially true. The, it was this which gave him the idea, along with the pat fact that Pac-Man is also the word mouth in Japanese. Kind of, sort of. The mouth, word mouth in Japanese is... Do you know it, Rob? You're better with Japanese than I am. Ambusher. Um, I think it's Coochie. <laughs> Coochie Coo. <laughs> Coochie. Coochie. Uh, so it's a square shape, but Iwatani wanted to round it out. 
So when he rounded out the the symbol for mouth, along with the fact that he got the idea with the, the slice of pizza missing, the combination of those ideas gave us Pac-Man, you know? And it's kind of funny because if you, I went back and I read a book that interviewed old game develop not old game developers, <laughs> game developers of older games about the development process. And when they were talking to Iwatani about the design of Pac-Man, it's really fascinating because there's these a, a series, right? So when they were designing the game, someone suggested that they add eyes. But the idea was discarded because once they add eyes, then maybe they have to add glasses. Once they add glasses, then maybe they have to add a mustache. And when the goal was just to keep the game cute and simple, they just didn't want to go down the slippery slope of adding all this stuff. But can you imagine Pac-Man with like eyes and a mustache? <laughs> like, dude, all right. So we have Pac-Man, right? And Pac-Man's pretty cool. But what about Pac-Man with fucking googly eyes? Eh? Oh eh? my god. Or eh? Pac-Man with a curly Q mustache, a monocle, <laughs> and a top hat. And instead of Pac-Man, we call him Classman. <laughs> I'm sorry, but the moment you went down that, I was like, okay, well then we just get a yellow-ass uh, Mr. Monopoly. <laughs> That's what we're going for. <laughs> Because they decided that food was going to become the primary concept of the game with the concept of eating, food was the central theme and the design of it right from the beginning. So in their initial sketchbook designs, the player was placed in the midst of food all over the screen. So just imagine the Pac-Man dropped in the middle and there's just food surrounding him. Okay, that, that, was, that was step number one. But when I looked at it, they determined that the player wasn't going to know what to do with the food, and there wouldn't really be a goal. Because what are you going to do? Walk around and eat everything? Like, I mean, I, I, what's the point? I, I mean, I do that. I do that anyways. Frankly, same. <laughs> Definitely relatable. <laughs> it it should have been called Pac-Man. It should have been called My Life. But when I needed a goal. That's where the idea of the maze came from. So the maze was created and the food was put in it, which gave the game structure. And then the concept of the fruit came from, you know, the eating and they got the, the cherry along with that from the concept of cherry bonuses and slot machines, right? Where we get the name from is the Japanese slang word for the motion of opening and closing the mouth, which is Paku Paku. Hence, Pac-Man. I think it's Paku Paku. Is that right? Sure. Good lord, I didn't take Japanese. I'm probably butchering all these. I'm sorry if you know Japanese better than me. I know Pac-Man better. We all play to our strengths, right? Right. It is Paku, by the way. Paku. And Kuchi. Kuchi. Kuchi, Kuchi, Koo. So here we have Pac-Man. And they have a maze and a mascot in the middle of it with food surrounding him, right? But what do you do? I mean, you just walk around and you eat still. There's still no goal to the game. So they determined right away that the concept of just eating food wasn't very interesting. So as a team, they decided to create enemies to keep the game exciting. And the concept for this was that Pac-Man had to fight the monsters to get the food. In my house, I call that the cats. Oh, <laughs> shits. So then they created the four ghost-shaped monsters. Originally, the ghosts were going to be red, just red. But that was determined to be boring. And so Awatani wanted them to be four different colors to appeal to women. Because, again, from the beginning, the idea was for Pac-Man to be all bright and colorful to appeal to all audiences. But the, the ghosts aren't just... They're, they're, it's just not, it's not plain ghosts, right? The ghosts actually have purpose. They do something. Each ghost has its own personality. Did you know, Rob? ambusher <laughs> that each ghost has its own personality actually i did yes i that's so fascinating to me that so the design team felt it would be too stressful for pac-man to be constantly surrounded and hunted down right so they designed the monster invasions to come in waves so it, it's a concept of they attack then they retreat they regroup and then you rinse and repeat and you do this in cycles you know and the and then that that concept evolved so rather than make pac-man constantly hunted they wanted to give him the opportunity to become the hunter as well and that's where we got the energizers from uh that allows pac-man to chase them down now they borrowed the concept of energizers this the inspiration for this was popeye the sailor man do, do you remember popeye 
Yes, I do. I I don't see a lot of Popeye these days, uh, nor do I see a lot of... No, actually, I probably see more spinach these days than I do Popeye, because when I watched Popeye, I hated spinach. And I don't hate spinach. I'm not in love with it, but I don't hate spinach now, but I don't see Popeye. But that's a weird correlation, isn't it? I mean, not really having watched Popeye. You've not... You, you have... You kind of know a little bit of Popeye, don't you? With olive oil and... Yes, that's why I'm saying it's not so far-fetched to have a correlation between spinach and Popeye. Because, mm. you know, Popeye the Sailor Man needs his can <laughs> of spinach to make his <laughs> muscles go boom. <laughs> I love Popeye. So okay, weird. Mr. Krabs. Didn't they try to... <laughs> didn't they try to make a live-action Popeye once that didn't go over so... Isn't they... that Robin Williams? I believe it was Robert Williams, yes. So, the ghosts, right? You have these ghosts, and these ghosts hunt in waves. They attack, they retreat, they regroup. The ghosts, in all honesty, are the most complex part of the game, and they are they probably are what give a lot of the game its personality and its difficulty, right? In the beginning, we talked about their names in Japanese, which are Chaser, Ambusher, Fickle, and Stupid. Right, Ambusher? Yeah, exactly. Now, in English, those names are Blinky, Pinky, Inky, and Clyde. I mean, Clyde, really? You know, hi, I'm Clyde. <laughs> I mean, is it any better than being called stupid? <laughs> I mean, Clyde and stupid kind of do go with one another. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm sure there's some smart Clydes out there. Don't worry, Clydes. I got your back. Oh, of course. You know, these names are really reflective of, of how they're programmed. So Blinky are red you know, is programmed to chase directly after Pac-Man. Pinky and Inky are positioned in such a way that they focus on a location that's a few dots in front of Pac-Man, whereas Clyde will switch between chasing Pac-Man and running away from him. And, and you know, I, I find it, it, it's just, it's fascinating. It, it's so simple, you know, like, we look at Pac-Man and we think of Pac-Man, it, it's simple but complex at the same time. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. I've always been fascinated by how we don't think about it when we play this game. We we are playing the game and the ghosts are chasing us, but the ghosts are doing something really simple. The red ghost is is chasing directly after Pac-Man, his exact path. The uh, you know, Pinky and Inky are looking at a spot a few dots in front of him. It it's just it's such a simple command that they're reflected to do, but it adds so much complexity to the game and I I, I don't know, I, I find that incredibly fascinating. Oh, no, it absolutely is. I mean, when you play the game as your first time or as a kid or even just casually, you don't really take that kind of stuff into consideration. You just say, oh, the ghosts, they're, they're going to get me. I got to I got to get them before they get me. But there's actually like an entire being to them. There's more than just them. There's different thems, you know, it's just cool. Yeah, well, you know, they they have their own personalities. These are. Pac-Man's considered one of the earliest games to have characters that have, well, character in it, to be honest, and these ghosts are the characters. In pop culture, they're just ghosts, but <laughs> there's, they're just, there's so much more to them. And then there's not at the same time, and that's so cool. It's, it's so cool. That it is, Dave. So we have the ghosts and their programming, and as the levels increase in number, these ghosts become faster, and the effect of the energizers decreases in duration, so less time to gobble, gobble, gobble. And this brings us to the end of the game. Pac-Man is famous for becoming unplayable at the 256th level due to an integer overflow that affects the game memory. Gets to 256, and the screen gets all garbled, and you can't, you can't complete the game. Uh, ambusher, Rob Ambusher. Have you ever seen video or watched someone get to the 256 level? 256, yes, but after that, nothing. Just poof. No memory of anything. <laughs> yeah, that's that's that sounds like par for the course, Ambusher. Par for the course. Stay away from manager overflow, kids. It'll get you, and it gets worse as you get older. The closer you get to that 256 level, the worse it gets, I'm telling you. Enjoy enjoy your memory while you can, because that overflow is a son of a bitch. Just is. All you older gamers, y'all know what I'm talking about. Know what I'm talking about. 
And that brings us to the sound of the game. You know, it's really fascinating because Pac-Man has some very distinct sounds, but really they did a design session where they ate fruit and they made gurgling sounds. <laughs> and that's it. That's where we get our waka 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 waka. Isn't that what it is? I can't yep. do Pac-Man. Waka 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 waka. There you go. And then, of course, you've got the name Pac-Man. So originally Pac-Man was titled Puck-Man, you know, based on its working title uh, from the, the slang for open and closing the mouth, which was what Paku Paku and its distinct puck shape. That brings us into 1980, you know, towards the end of May into June. It was tested in Japan. It was received favorably. So it was released nationwide in July and it, it was successful. It may not have been the most successful game in Japan. It was outdone by Galaxian, but it was it was quite successful still, and therefore plans were made immediately to bring it internet to international audiences. Which brings us to us, December of 1980. Pac-Man was brought to the United States. It was no longer Puck-Man, because yes, the old lore is correct. They were afraid of everyone vandalizing it and changing the P to an F, and no one wants to play Fuck-Man. So they change it to Pac-Man. Um, uh, Dave, so... there are many adult websites that beg to differ, but <laughs> no I digress. Play, no one wants to play Pac-Man. Well, you know, every time I, I think of that, I, I think of the movie Scott Pilgrim versus the world, you know, where Scott Pilgrim first meets Ramona Flowers. And he's like, hey, did you know that when they brought Pac-Man over to the United States, they changed the P to an F because they were afraid of people. And then he messes it up and I mess it up, too. Because I'm Scott Pilgrim awkward myself. Sure. You don't remember that scene at all? Have you ever even seen Scott Pilgrim? Uh, is that a question, Dave? Come on. Of course <laughs> I've seen the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Likely story. Likely story. The evil exes, man. The evil exes, indeed. This is the League of Evil Exes, I believe. But, you know, it's been a while. My seven ex-boyfriends, exes. That's what I said. No X's. <laughs> Pac-Man, $14.1 billion and counting, but it began somewhere. Like I said, Pac-Man was moderately successful, successful in Japan, but it, it was a runaway hit in the United States. Uh, within a year, more than 100,000 arcade units had been sold, and it grossed more than $1 billion in coin sales. It was easily the most successful coin-operated arcade in the country, and $1 billion in revenue made enough, was enough money for it to be more profitable than Star Wars A New Hope, the original Star Wars, was back then. Of course, now that's way different. Star Wars as a franchise is, is unbelievably profitable, but at the time, Pac-Man Pac outdid it. You know, by, 19, by 1982... A total of over 400,000 units had been sold, and they brought in an estimated $7 billion in coins. And, and by 1982, merchandising sales exceeded a billion dollars, too. So we're talking $8 billion, you know, by in two years. And in 1980, in 1980, that's a mind-boggling amount today. And they did it in 1980, 40 years ago. God, I would, wow. I would love to know what, that is an inflation, but I didn't think ahead. So someone's going to have to look that up and your mind will be blown. Pac-Man holds the Guinness World Record for the most coin-operated arcade machines installed at one time throughout the world. Because, of course, they may have sold 400,000 units, but you're not, they're not all in use at one time. They break, they get repaired, they go in and out. But the most Pac-Man machines installed at one time throughout the entire world sits at 293,822. And you'll find that in the Guinness Book of World Records, ladies and gentlemen. So you're welcome. But arcades aren't the only place that we found Pac-Man, are they? No, they're not. Pac-Man has been everywhere. In fact, I would argue that Pac-Man has been ported to more platforms than almost any other game. In fact, I, I believe it's number two behind Tetris. But yeah, I believe it's number two behind Tetris. Sounds about right. Yeah, probably. You know, among the systems that Pac-Man's been poured on include the Atari 2600. The version of the Atari 2600 was a awful, awful port. It was notoriously bad, did not play like the original game, but it still sold over 7 million copies, which is awesome. I mean, for, for a, if a game sold 7 million copies today, 
it would be considered wildly successful. That it would. Yeah, for real. I mean, a million copies right now is is considered a successful game, let alone seven million copies. Uh, among the other systems that Pac-Man has shown up on are the, you know, Intellivision, the Commodore, the Apple platform, early IBM PCs, TI calculators, Spectrum PCs, Atari PCs, the Family Computer, the Famicom in Japan, the Nintendo Entertainment System, the Game Boy, the Game Gear, the Neo Geo Pocket, and I'm sure, you know, that's just the early ports. I, I had it on PlayStation in a Namco compilation do you remember playing any of those Namco compilations? Yes, that's definitely uh, the one I remember playing. That's where I played most Pac-Man, as well as, you know, Dig Dug. And I'm sure there are other ones that I can't think of at the moment. Absolutely. It's been on digital marketplaces. It's been on the virtual console. It's been on mobile. Um, most recently, we had the Championship Edition. Uh, and, and someone made the world's biggest Pac-Man. Pac-Man has been absolutely ported everywhere. And then, of course, you have all the spinoffs and remakes, like Miss Pac-Man. Rob, you and I were talking, you know, before recording, and you brought up Mrs. Pac-Man. Mrs. Pac-Man has a really fascinating history behind it, does it not? Who's Rob? Ambusher. <laughs> Miss Pac-Man. Right you are, a... Dave. <laughs> what can you tell us about it? Well... The Miss Pac-Man was actually just a modification to the original game board that was created. It was just a rework of the original Pac-Man to add uh, more feminine fe uh, features. And with that, it was actually just a modification to the board that was used in the arcade game. So it wasn't a completely new system. It was just a minor reworking of it. That's true. There's a little bit of history, though, behind the, the company that did that, is there not? Was that the one that was sued by Atari? It was. Yes, absolutely. It was absolutely the one that's sued by Atari. So the story behind it is that there was this company called the General Computer Corporation. They were a couple of college students who were developing modification boards for arcade machines. What Ambusher there is referring to is they're most famously known for getting sued by Atari over a conversion kit for Missile Command called Super Missile Attack, which basically upped, upped the difficulty and everything. While they were working on that, they were also working on a, an enhancement to Pac-Man called Crazy Otto. Crazy Otto kind of got mixed into the you know Atari, all the lawsuit. So basically what they did with Crazy Otto is instead of, in, instead of scraping it due to lawsuit, they took it to Midway, who was you know, the American distributor of Pac-Man, Midway was getting impatient because Namco was working on a sequel to Pac-Man called Super Pac-Man, but it had been taking too long. And so Midway bought the rights to Crazy Auto, and they worked with this GCC to change it to better reflect the Pac-Man series. That's where they got Mrs. Pac-Man. Well, okay, so initially it was Pac-Woman. Can you imagine that, Ambusher, Pac-Man and Pac-Woman? Ugh, it just sounds so awful. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, but that name was dropped in favor of Miss Pac-Man, and that's it. You've got Miss Pac-Man. These the, and guys who made like a billion dollars making modification boards, and then got sued. It's it's a super fascinating story. Aside from Miss Pac-Man, what are some other Pac-Man games that you know of, Ambusher? Well, I know there was Junior and Baby Pac-Man. That's very true. So Baby Pac-Man is a Baby Pac-Man is a really fascinating one in the Pac-Man history. Baby Pac-Man was a hybrid maze game that was the traditional Pac-Man, but it was also a pinball game. So it's this really fascinating cabinet, right? It had this little 13-inch screen on the top that played this miniature version of Pac-Man. I mean, it's Pac-Man as we know it, but on the bottom of the screen there are vertical exits, kind of like the ones on the side of the screen for normal Pac-Man. And when the player goes into those vertical ones, the gameplay transfers to a pinball machine that was found underneath this little screen. You had this hybrid where they played the maze game or you could play pinball mode. It's a really fascinating version. 
it it was it wasn't authorized by Namco in any way, shape, or form. The what what makes Baby Pac Man so notorious is that it, it's what led to the relationship between Bally Midway and Namco to dissolve because you had Miss Pac-Man and you had baby Pac-Man and frankly Namco was sick of Bally Midway infringing on their, on their intellectual property. And so they were, they were done with it. What other ones do you know of? Well, there's professor Pac-Man. Professor Pac-Man's an interesting one. That's just a quiz game. That's a, that's a, that's a quiz game. It was not very popular. They made 400 of them roughly. 300 of them ended up getting returned and were were converted into pack into pack land but that, yeah just a, a freaking puzzle game some other ones in the mix eventually you did have the official sequel to super pac-man or, or i'm sorry you did have the official sequel to pac-man which was called super pac-man instead of eating the little dots everywhere it turned into fruit and there are keys instead of energizers that would unlock doors to other sections and other levels and, and different power-ups it, it changed the game a little bit it's not as popular but you know you know what else is fascinating while we're on the topic of of uh remakes for pac-man ambusher what's that dave and in a lot of ways mrs pac-man is considered more successful of an arcade unit it, it by the numbers it's one of the most successful arcade games ever made yeah i mean mrs pac-man it, it it just it it resonated you know you took pac-man which was made to appeal to both men and women and then direct a game directly at them and and that yeah that's it it is it's considered more popular more but not at the same time as an arcade unit it was more popular if that that's what i'm getting at gotcha uh you know any of the other pac-man games there ambusher you started a few more uh, you know, there's Pack Attack. Pack Attack. Pack Attack, if I'm not mistaken, is a puzzle game, is it not? That it is. Yeah, so you have your little Tetris. It's kind of a Tetris-type game. You had a bunch of side-scrolling games that you started. There's Pac-Land, which I just talked about because a bunch of Professor Pac-Man cabinets were converted over to them. You have Pac-Land, Hello Pac-Man, and pac and time in 1999 on the PlayStation, uh, Pac-Man went 3D in Pac-Man World. And and so there are just pa- Pac-Mans all over the place. A lot of Pac-Man. A lot, a lot of Pac-Man. The most recent ones are the Championship Editions. You got Championship Edition 1 and Championship Edition 2, which kind of modernized it. I know we talked about how Pac-Man's been the same, but it you know smoothed out the graphics, made it look a little bit nicer, modernized the look of it. But it's it's Pac-Man. It really is. It's nice. Pac-Man's been around forever. Pac-Man is an incredibly influential video game, is it not? Oh, it absolutely is. What there is no doubt. What are some things about it that you see that that's helped it keep its lasting influence all these years? Well, you know, it was one of the first gaming mascots. Uh, before w- that, you know, you don't really look at the there shit aren't from any. Missile Command or yeah. the shit from Galactica. No one's looking at those. I mean, it's not like it's not like we have giant dancing asteroids all over the place. That'd be hilarious, but it just isn't the case. It would be pretty hilarious, but you're right; it is not the case. (laughs) Uh, Wait, we talked about Pac-Man having googly eyes. Can you imagine a bunch of asteroids dancing around or missiles dancing around googly eyes? That shit would be funny. I'm not gonna lie. Oh, that would be trippy as hell, man. (laughs) Sorry, sidetracked influence. What other than mascot? Well, it established the maze chase genre. Um, you know, it's it definitely dominated that market, and there's not very many. You're going to be able to find a ton like it, but, you know, it's it's definitely the most well-known. But it did spark the entire genre. For sure. What else? Well, <clears throat> not with it being such a cute figure, and with the release of Miss Pac-Man, it was increasing the appeal of video games to women. True. And we talked about the ghosts uh, on that same vein and the ghosts having personalities. So it demonstrated the potential of characters in games. And while we're on the topic of the ghosts, in between the levels, you know, the ghosts chase Pac-Man. And that's, by all definition, a cutscene. And so this is one of the earliest games that's considered to have cutscenes in levels. It's not the earliest. I have 
seen it online noted as being the first game to have cutscenes, but Missile Command, which came out earlier, technically has similar loading screens in between. And so you're, you're going to get a lot of debate over which which game is the earliest to have a cutscene. I'm not going to say Pac-Man is number one, but I'm going to say it's one of the earliest. You know, Pac-Man has been in pop culture uh, all over the place, all over the place. Where where else, you know, I remember in the early 80s, it was a little bit before my time, but, you know, I've stumbled across it. Pac-Man had his own t- television show. Everyone had their own television show. Crap, I used to love Saturday morning cartoons. In my time, we had a Legend of Zelda cartoon and a Captain Nintendo cartoon and Super Mario Brothers. You have other notable films, such as Wreck-It Ralph and its sequel, Ralph Wrecks the Internet. Yeah, and I believe it's got a brief appearance in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, does it not? I believe he does, yes. Music? It's all over the place in music. There's literally a song called Pac-Man Fever. Uh, yep, and there's um, there, there's a Gorillaz song entitled Pac-Man. And then there's that one, oh god, what is it? Um, that song that's got Pac-Man. Uh, Bloodhound Gang, Mope. Remember that one? I can't say that I do, Dave. Oh man, that's that's such a stupid song, and it's got <laughs> it's. Oh shit! There's Pac-Man. What up? What's up, Pac-Man? Me, you bitches! I'm high on crack. It's so dumb. Okay, and what? then it, <laughs> you've got to. Yeah, I'll put it on the show notes. If you've never seen Moat Bloodhound Gang, you should watch it at least once. But it's got a, a high as balls, acid tripping Pac-Man drop in the middle of it it's do you remember the bloodhound gang at all they did that song bad touch uh oh yep that does sound familiar yeah all their songs are stupid like that and mope is no no different makes sense now pac-man's everywhere what fascinates me the most about pac-man is that it's so well known and pop culturally it's so relevant because nobody plays it anymore it's it's not like there's a Pac-Man eSport or there's new Pac-Man games that people get excited for or anything like that. Pac-Man is not, you know, it's not like you can go on Steam right now and see millions of people playing Pac-Man. But everybody knows Pac-Man. Everybody knows Pac-Man. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It has the highest brand recognition out of any anyone. I mean, I would argue that it and Mario are probably two of the most recognizable things ever 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 certainly more than like aunt jemima and the i don't know aunt jemima had a hell of a year now that there's no aunt jemima yeah very true yeah i mean everyone's gonna know know now jelly green giant maybe i i don't know i would just argue that pac-man is all over the place agreeable Mm -hmm. that's uh that's that's pac-man i do want to take a moment as usual, we we like to see what other people have to say about Pac-Man, and it is in its 40th year. So I found a thread on Resetera that people are sharing some of their Pac-Man memories. And what's most fascinating to me is that they're really all over the place. So the first one on here is by Zan. Zan writes that his first memory is of the Pac-Man collection on Game Boy Advance. And then after that, he remembers playing Miss Pac-Man Maze Madness on the N64. And this is right after uh, Andy MCC says he played the 7800's Pac-Man first, but his real experience of Pac-Man came from playing in the arcade. It was everywhere in the 80s. And this is followed by Fluffy Delusions, who posted a picture of the table that I remember playing at the dentist and just said, played this at a restaurant back in the 80s. I'm not the only one... I'm not the only one who remembers getting their Pac-Man start on on a table somewhere. Those tabletop arcade games were really freaking cool. I'm not even going to lie. So yeah, Pac-Man is is really popular all over the place and everyone knows it. Pretty much every documentary is going to have a Pac-Man point. Every book on, on, on gaming history is going to have a Pac-Man chapter. I don't really know what else to say. We're just adding to it. But Pac-Man is awesome and it's not going anywhere anytime soon no it is not you have anything you want to add uh no i think we've hit pac-man pretty well i mean i don't think we should literally hit pac-man that's not that's rude wow that's kind of what i'm here for 
ambusher. That I am. Well, Rob, ambusher, I guess you can go back to being Rob because ambusher is not going to have an answer to the question, but it's time for the gaming question of the week. All right, let's hear it, Dave. So what is a game that you didn't expect to enjoy, but you ended up liking anyways? Oh, wow. I know, right? I mean, that's a hard one because why would you ever play a game that you don't expect to enjoy? Games cost money. We don't buy things that we're not going to like, you know? Yeah, I haven't really rented a game in a long time, so it's a good, you know, I really wouldn't be spending a lot of money on games that I wouldn't enjoy. So I've kind of done all of my research and everything, and that's a tough one. I, I know you got to dig back, back. So think back to the rental games or think back to a game that a friend recommended that insisted, you know, your best friend Damon, who's joined us on this podcast, is always trying to get us to play new things. I'm sure there's something in the list that, you know, he forced you to play and you reluctantly joined thinking that you weren't going to like it whatsoever and then came to like it. Can you think of anything like that? You know, since you do bring it up, it's actually a game that we've played, talked about here on this channel. Oh, yeah. What's that? Can you take a guess, Dave? Because I'm willing to bet that you don't like it at all. (laughs) That might give it away. That is correct. So you didn't think you didn't think you were going to like Dark Souls at first, huh? Oh, God, no, it's horrible. I mean, (laughs) when you first play the game, it is just so freaking difficult. And like, there's no reason. And, you know, I I got I just kept getting so frustrated like you. And it just I almost gave up. And, you know, I, I just I couldn't I couldn't get into it. And he just kept forcing me. He kept, he's like, hey, you know, just try one more time. Try one more time. And then he's like, here, watch this. Take, Just watch what I do and, and learn from it. So I did. And I tried it. And it started making sense. And I actually ended up putting a couple hundred of hours into the game. So I'd say, yeah, the Dark Souls is definitely one for me. Nice. What about yourself? Warframe. You know, I I played Warframe early on and I didn't like it. It, it. I was coming off of Destiny. I had put hundreds of hours into Destiny. It was one of those games that was on every chance I could get and, and hit that wall that so many of us hit at the you know end game when there was nothing left to do. And someone recommended it to me as a, a Destiny alternative and I did not like it. Warframe has its merits, but it is not Destiny. It's third person instead of first person. The guns all feel similar to me. The, you know, melee, it's a game that's mostly based on melee and movement. It's got its merits, and so I didn't like it. I I put it down thinking I was never going to play it again. But my best friend got into it sometime later and really wanted me to play with him. So I picked it up again. And, you know, the game had substantially changed by that point, and it, it stuck that time around. You know, I, I've I've had a lot of fun playing Warframe with him and our, our clan, you know, group of people that we play with. Um, I don't play it a lot at the moment. I, you know, he, he has never stopped. I don't, I don't even want to think about what his, his, his hourly count is. But yeah, Warframe, I thought I was going to not like it. And turns out I really do like it. Even if I'm not playing right now, I still find it an enjoyable game. I just have other games I want to play. And someday I'll get back to it. And everyone will welcome me with open arms like they always do. Our our group of friends that play it are really awesome. They're really gracious and generous and so on and so forth. That's so, good to hear. Well, that's the gaming question of the week. And that'll about do it for this week. Is there anything that you'd like to add? Uh, You know, just as always, want to say thank you to everyone for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, We hope that you will take some time, listen to some other episodes, reach out to us, maybe get to know us. You know, we appreciate the support and we want to hear from you. So Dave, tell them how they can reach out to us. Well, Rob, if anyone is interested in contacting us, we have a website. It's www.memorycardlane.com. At www.memorycardlane.com, you can find all of our episodes. You can find show notes. I post all my all my resources for 
all the all the stuff we talk about. You can find our stupid faces because our pictures are on there. You can find links to our Patreon, and you can find links to our Discord where you can come and you can talk to us directly and interact with us and maybe play some games with us because that's what we're all here for is to play some games, right? Right. That would be a ton of fun, getting a little community gaming night going. You can also find some links to our social media. I am on Twitter at David underscore is underscore wrong. And Rob, what are you doing on social media these days? I can be found playing games on Twitch at fat, B-O-I-R-I-P-Z, all one word. All right, well, that'll about do it for this week. We hope that you enjoyed our little foray into Pac-Man. I'm sure we could have talked for two or three hours on Pac-Man alone. We tried to keep it short and succinct, and I hope I didn't miss anything that you wanted to learn about. Um, but on to next week. So next week, we're going to be looking at, once again, another incredibly influential game. Uh, It's a game that pioneered a ton of technologies that are still used to this day. It, It was, it was a groundbreaking game for not just its own genre, which is the first person shooter genre, but many, many genres. And like I said, many of the technologies that, that, that it uses are still used to this day. It, it is literally a, a game that deserves to go down in history. And it is historical. We're going to talk about it. So next week, we're going to be going into 1993. And we're going to be looking at Doom, first-person shooter. What do you think about Doom. that, Ambusher? Doom. <laughs> have you ever played the original Doom? I have, yes. All right, so look, we have something to talk about. Have you played any of the other Dooms? I played one of the remakes for Xbox, but Did not you play the most. Re- not the most. No. You haven't played Doom Eternal yet. I have not. Missing out, man. It's a riot. It's a riot. Ladies and gents, that'll do it for today. Next week, we're going to be looking at Doom, and we hope you'll join us as we take another trip down memory card lane. Do up a do a do up a do 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 a do